We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker, and I don't even know who I am anymore. Um, I've lost all of my identity, my meaning, my purpose for being on this earth. Twitter has taken away my verified checkmark that I never paid for and I was never going to pay for. But with that left me and, and my whole purpose for for being on this planet. I mean, everything I did, I did for that blue check mark. I mean, it was my reason for waking up and my reason for, for going to work and just my reason for being. I mean, I really just have no idea what I'm going to do without it. So please mourn with me. Um, I'm a different man. I'm a, I'm a new host. I, I The things I say throughout this podcast, I take no credit for I take no responsibility for because without that check mark I am not a professional I'm just unhinged so I mean whatever happens blame Elon Musk blame Twitter it's not my fault you know how can you just take away a man's identity and then expect him not to lash out right anyways I couldn't care less <laughs> It's what's funny is is obviously you understood what the check mark was at one point supposed to mean. You know, it's just supposed to identify that this person is who they say they is, and they are the bringer of whatever it is they say they bring. And then then you know Elon Musk took over, and then it became, hey, you can just buy the check mark if you want to, because because why not? We need to help pay for the fact that I bought this business. And then now he took away all the other check marks which now leave like the only check marks that exist are people that pay for Twitter. And so it's like they serve no purpose anymore. It's just, they're just a thing now. They're just there. So RIP to the OG check mark, but you will not find me giving Twitter any money 
when I can use it for free. Right? Anyways, um, I'm back. Obviously, there was a week without me. Hopefully, you missed me. Hopefully, you missed the pod. Hopefully, there was a void in your week. As most of you know, I, what is it, two, almost two weeks ago now, I got married. Um, my now wife and I had been together for many, many years, uh, six, seven years. Um, but she was in the middle of, when it, when it made sense to start talking about marriage, she was in the middle of getting her engineering degree, which she's now finished with. Yes, she's very intelligent. Proud to say. So it didn't really make sense to 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 do then. And once she finished it, then it, you know, then we started having the conversation. And then I proposed at Disneyland. I don't even know if I told you guys about that. I'm sure I did. I proposed at Disneyland. My initial plan was to propose um, with Minnie Mouse. My little sister, who was with us, mentioned to the Disney employee that takes the pictures. My brother's about to propose, and the Disney employee like freaked out, like not outwardly, but like apparently to her was like, no, 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 no. Tell him not to do it. You're not allowed to. Minnie will just walk away and you can't do it. And we were already at the front of the line to see Minnie who would waited like half an hour to come walking out. And by the way, there's a whole crowd of people that stand there waiting for the characters to come out. A, a, a populace that I didn't even know existed. But there's people that sit there and wait for the characters to come out. Um, and what's funny is right, we'd already waited in line and right before we got up there, I, they'd, I'd already been told not to propose. And I was like, damn, this really sucks. Why not? I was planning on this. This is supposed to be it. You can tell that the Disney employee still told Minnie that I might do it anyways. So Minnie herself, whoever was under there was like super awkward about taking our picture with us. Like didn't want to approach us and was like super timid thinking that I could propose at any second and she would just have to run off. It was super weird. We ended up getting pictures and it was nice. Um, but it was like, it was just the most awkward interaction because they, she had been warned that I might propose. So she just didn't know how to handle herself, which it's crazy that Disney is so weird about proposals. Probably they're not making any money off of it, so they won't let you do it. So anyways, backup plan. I didn't have one and I had a, very expensive ring hanging out in my pocket all day. Um, but what I ended up doing was going to the Disneyland caricature artist and saying, Hey, do you have any openings? And he was like, no. And I was like, wow, this sucks. But he's like, but if come back here at like 10 PM, if one of my appointments is dropped out, I will then have time at that moment to do your artwork. And I was like, Oh man. Okay. 10 p.m. rolls wrong. I go to the art. I go to the artist. He says, "Yes, I had somebody drop out. I will start your art. What your artwork? What picture do you want me to use?" Because I didn't want her to know I was doing it. She had no idea I was doing any of this. So I showed him a picture, sent it to him. I emailed it to him so that he can reference it. And I just said, "Will you draw us and put, will you marry me on it?" And so he did. So, and the only problem was since it was already 10 p.m., he's like, "I'm going to need till as." As far past midnight as you can give me. Disneyland technically closes at midnight and then, but is open till one. So you can go on the ride you were in line for and then go by the shops and stuff like that. So it's like 1215. He finally, my little sister goes and checks. He finally says that it's done. And, you know, I take her over there to check it out. She had no idea what's happening. And she's like looking at the, the picture and reading it. And while she's reading it, I'm taking a knee like next to her. And then, you know, the rest is history. And now we're married. 
And we went on a little cruise last week, so that's why I was not present on Striking Gold. Cruises are awesome. If you've never been on a cruise, they're usually not that expensive. I think they do a lot of good sales on them. And you're basically just floating on a boat thinking about what you're going to eat or drink next. I had like 15 pina coladas, which are tasty. Um, ate, ate a ton of good food. Probably gained more than a few pounds. It was just ridiculous. It was a good time though. And so now I'm back and, you know, just living the life. We are one week out from the 2023 NFL draft. So here we are back on striking gold for our weekly Friday morning grind. Hopefully Friday morning, if as long as Apple podcast doesn't try to be weird. And you know what came out this week? Um, nothing official, but something that I admired nonetheless. Um, NFL's Greg Rosenthal released his top or his his NFL GM power rankings. Howie Roseman of the Philadelphia Eagles was number one. Brett Veach of the Kansas City Chiefs was number two. Duke Tobin of the Cincinnati Bengals, three. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills, four. And sitting pretty at number five, right ahead of Les Snead and Sean McVay, is John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. And I, seeing this, I had known to myself, uh, in my own opinion, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, as we know, Kyle Shanahan has a lot to say in the scouting department. Had done, I had, I believed that they had done a great job, you know. And you got to understand the landscape of a GM. You're never supposed to hit on every pick. If you can hit on like a third of your picks, kind of like a batting average in the uh, in the Major League Baseball, that and the, and you know, if you can hit on a third of your picks, you're doing pretty well. And obviously, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had done that. They'd had many picks that evolved into all pro players, great players, um, you know, future Hall of Fame, possibly caliber type players. And I just thought, I, I thought back to when that was first announced, you know, and I wasn't, I hadn't moved into my house yet. I remember sitting in, you know, in my room. I was doing something on my computer, my laptop, I can't remember which, and my phone went off and it said the 49ers. We're hiring John Lynch along with Kyle Shanahan and all of the scouting side of NFL Twitter just completely lost their minds. I mean, I remember reading some of the most like not vulgar. That's not the word I'm looking for, but some of the most negative tweets I've seen about anything were about the fact that 49ers were going to go with John Lynch as their GM. I mean, you had guys that were just, tearing at Jed York and Kyle Shanahan, the fact that this disrespected all the men that have proven themselves in the scouting community and come up through the process that deserved a chance to be in the end, be a GM. They were calling it a joke. You know, it was just absolutely, I mean, nobody was doubting John Lynch, the person um, who had by all means, absolutely crushed it as a commentator and also was a hall of fame player. Now, but as a GM, everybody just lost their minds. It was like, there's no way this can work. And here we are, what, six years later, has it been, I think? And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are in the top five of all NFL front offices. And it's not to say they're doing it by themselves, but the fact that that's where they started and this is where they end up is pretty impressive. The fact that John Lynch stepped into this job with no scouting experience other than the fact that he was a hell of a football player and spent time with good football players 
spent a career with good football players, but the fact that they have managed to insert themselves into this discussion is just, to me, very, very impressive. Greg says, the 49ers deserve more credit for finding and maintaining so much talent everywhere else, and they've thrived despite all the resources used in the 21 trade-up to draft Trey Lance, who has attempted 102 passes since. Lynch has helped find core pieces through the draft. Brandon Ayuk, Talano Hufunga, free agency, Charvarius Ward, Javon Hargrave, and trades, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams. The Niners build strength on strength and stay focused on the line play like the Eagles. That said, the offensive line could use some work in the draft. Doesn't make any mention of drafting George Kittle, of drafting Fred Warner, you know, and a ton of players who have seriously proven impactful. Now they, obviously we know they've had their misses, but like I said earlier, a a successful GM hits on about a third of their picks and the 49ers have done a good job of, of maintaining that. And, and like he says, making the trades and the free agency acquisitions to help continue to bolster that roster. And it's, it's been impressive. I'm obviously, I think that we've gotten to the point now where, you know, we know they didn't inherit a good roster. Everything this team has accomplished, they've done so with an entirely reworked roster that up until recently had like Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead. And that was it. Everything else was courtesy of those two guys. So the fact that we started out with such an uproar and now they've firmly established themselves as a legitimate finder of talent is impressive to me. I mean, again, they're not without faults. They've definitely made mistakes. You know, you can, depending on your point of view, you could say Trey Lance is is their biggest mistake <laughs> of their tenure. But, you know, again, I, I think that's a bit lacking context to just freak out about Lance and not take into account everything that created that situation. We kind of talked about it on the last podcast. So interesting. Interesting. Good for them. Good to see them getting the uh, the hat tips and the flowers that they deserve, but just especially interesting when you think about where things got started and how freaked out everybody was. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Transitioning, because we don't do actual transition material. 
I think the the story of the week, the, the non-story of the week, we shall call it. I actually I actually have to find the tweet here. Let me let me cuz I got to read it for you. It's really just kind of just something to read. Okay, here we go. The talk of the town this week was a tweet from Ian Rappaport saying the 49ers have received m- multiple inquiries from several teams. I read that wrong. The 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for former number three pick quarterback Trey Lance. The conversations have been the result of SF fielding the calls, not making them, with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely the future starter. It's a funny tweet. It's a funny tweet. And here's what Ian Rappaport said on TV that morning. Here's my understanding with where it all stands with Trey Lance. Several teams have inquired over the last several days, last several weeks with the 49ers about potentially trading for the former number three overall pick. This really should not be much of a surprise. Teams can read the landscape. It is very clear that Brock Purdy is expected to be the 49ers starter of the future. Don't take my word for it. Basically take the word of every 49ers executive and coach. They all signed Sam Darnold and they also signed Sam Darnold in the offseason. Teams are inquiring. Teams are calling. The 49ers have fielded the calls, not made them. And I would also not expect a deal to be intimate if for no other reason than the 49ers know for 1,000% sure. I think they they meant to put the 49ers do not know for sure that Brock Purdy is going to be healthy to start the season. If he's not, then perhaps they hang on to Trey Lance. But at least with a young, talented quarterback like this, there is interest. Okay, Now, there's a lot to break down here. None of it really is all that. It's not as big of a deal as it's made out to be. One, the fact that Ian Rappaport made it so clear that the 49ers fielded the calls and didn't make them tells you exactly where this rumor came from. It came from the 49ers who want the world to know that they are cool with trading Trey Lance, as long as, you know, if the offer is right. Which is interesting for many reasons. We will break them down. But there's no doubt. And and, and even I even doubt the fact that they're saying the 49ers are just receiving calls. The 49ers are probably making the calls too. But the fact that they were so delicate to address the fact that they're not placing calls tells you that they know they're going to be around Trey Lance. Him and Brock Purdy are both in the building currently for the offseason program, and they don't want it to get too weird. They want to be able to say, yeah, teams are calling about it and asking you, man, you're Trey Lance. You're the number three overall pick. Uh, we're not calling them. They're calling us, okay? We can't stop them from doing that. And it's like, you know, it's like, ugh. Like, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. All right. So the 49ers are open to trading Trey Lance. Um, Jordan Schultz said he spoke with a GM today who was not in the market for a quarterback about the 49ers quarterback, Trey Lance. John Lynch taking calls on him was probably the worst kept secret since Indianapolis, which is the NFL combine. I know they've listened. Lance is still young and on a rookie deal. He's pretty talented. Sam Darnold has tons of incentives in his deal and Purdy has that elbow problem. I think it would take a pretty strong offer to get Lance. So the 49ers want them to want everybody in the world to know that they're listening to offers for Lance, but they don't want everybody to think that they are just trying to get rid of him. 
they might in their heart of hearts be trying to get rid of him because they just know that every day that Trey Lance remains on the roster and unless he wins the starting job, okay, every day, we'll we'll start with that. Every day that Trey Lance is on the roster, his value drops, okay, period, just the way it is. The further he's, the longer he stays on this team, the more he drops, his value drops, unless somehow he wins the starting job from Sam Darnold before Brock Purdy gets back and balls out. But if for some reason the 49ers feel like he's not winning that competition with with Sam Darnold or they don't think he's going to win that competition, then they know they have the time is ticking. One, they know in the back of their minds that that the pick didn't work out ultimately. Now there's a lot that goes into that, but they know that they that they don't think that Trey Lance is going to be able to develop into the quarterback, at least not quick enough that they thought he was going to be. Now again, before you storm off, there's a lot that goes into that. One, a broken ankle. Two, Brock Purdy. I say a lot, but in reality, those are the biggest things in Trey Lance's coming out season where a, a, a member of the 49ers coaching staff has already said that they expected Lance to have the type of season Purdy did. We never got to see it. He broke his ankle in week two, and that was it. So that is the first major turning point in the Trey Lance saga. Not necessarily anybody's fault, but if you want to blame Kyle Shanahan for running the running quarterback, I'm not going to stop you. Two, a dude named Brock Purdy. If Jimmy Garoppolo would have, Jimmy Garoppolo was headed out the door no matter what. But if he would have played out how everything played out, and then let's say Josh Johnson took over, or the 49ers brought in another quarterback when Jimmy Garoppolo hurt and it wasn't Brock Purdy, then they would probably be just scooting right along with Trey Lance right now, um, fully prepared to give him his next shot. Or they would be looking into these veterans that are kind of available, stuff like that. Okay. But. That's not what happened. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Brock Purdy got his chance. And the rest is history. It would be absolute negligence to like somehow deny what they saw with Brock Purdy because of the Trey Lance stuff. In the end, it really doesn't matter where the quarterback came from. It just matters if you have one. I understand that the 49ers in the NFL world would want it to be Trey Lance based on what they gave up to getting get him. But that may not be how it works out because Brock Purdy was like, I can do this. And he did it. And he was really good. And there's this decent chance he would have beaten the Eagles too. We just don't know. We never got to find out. So the fact the 49ers are willing to trade Trey Lance says a ton about Brock Purdy says a little bit about Trey Lance, but it also says more about the fact that they're in this weird situations with a lot of twists and turns and they may just kind of want to move on from it and put their chips into the Brock Purdy table, which right now, while he's recovering from a major elbow surgery, seems risky. If it were me, unless a team rolled along that just offered me like, hey, man, we'll give you our late first rounder. You're like, damn, I got to think about that. Unless a team does that, then hang on to him and allow him to compete. Because here's the thing. Trey Lance might still be good. The dude just hasn't played again. And a 49ers coach was on the record as saying, 
I mean, I guess I can say on the record. Can you say, um, can you be on the record anonymously? I don't know if that's a thing. Already said, like, we expected Lance to look how Purdy looked. We think he would have been at that level by the time he got to that point. He just never got to get there. Dude broke his ankle. Broke it significantly. He was turned the wrong direction. So that's the thing to me. Like, you can you can get a little excited about trading Lance if you want to, but one, he might still be good. And two, the 49ers might still need him. I've, I've rang this cowbell. I shouldn't say that because there's probably a lot of Warriors fans listening. I'm not a, a Kings guy by any means. I just realized that a cowbell was like their thing. I was talking about that. I need more cowbell. Um, I, for Trey Lance being good is obviously in the 49ers' best interest. And right now, they kind of need him. We have no idea what's going to happen with Brock Purdy. I'm assuming, based on the fact that the 49ers have put out these rumors, that they're pretty confident that Brock Purdy's recovery is going how it should. They've probably had conversations with the doctor, conversations with him. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy's going around saying, I don't even know if I'm going to play next season. He's just a low-key dude, doesn't have any interest in saying when he'll be back. But Trey Lance might still be good. And Trey Lance might beat out Sam Darnold. And he might be able to challenge Brock Purdy for the job. That's just reality. Is Do the 49ers clearly prefer Purdy? Yes. Do the 49ers know a lot more about Trey Lance than I do? Yes. The reality is something a switch could turn. Uh, maybe he just needed more time. In anything, I would say Lance just need more reps. The dude just hasn't played. He played one game in his last season in college. He played... Zero games as a rookie. Well, he came in late in the season because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt again and then played one game to start the season and then broke his ankle. So what is that? Four starts in like three years? Like you just can't expect anybody to develop under those circumstances. And I'm not blaming the 49ers for that at all. They allowed Lance to sit behind Garoppolo. Fine with me. Lance came in to take the reins, broke his ankle. I mean, it really is that simple. Are you really that upset about Lance being able to sit behind Garoppolo? Why? Like that to me, I, that's always the most ideal. If you can, I don't care if you drafted a quarterback number one overall. If for some reason you have an order, another quarterback on the roster that can give your brand new rookie time to just kind of take things in, I, even if, as experienced as Lance, that's a good thing. It's just more information, it's a softer landing. The problem was, is when Trey Lance landed, he broke his ankle and there was no, nowhere to, you could no longer take flight. So just an interesting scenario. I saw somebody on Twitter say, please trade Trey. I'm so done with that guy. Like why? The dude is, is universally praised throughout the entire 49ers organization. Every interview he's ever given is nothing but class. He was on the Rich Eisen show and could not and, and was effusive in his praise for Brock Purdy and said, look, I saw what you guys saw. Why, why would Brock Purdy not be the favorite to start next year? Did you not watch him play? This is Trey Lance, the dude who's, who, who should, could, would, would like Purdy's job. But the dude was nothing but class and said, look, we all saw that. I just want the opportunity to compete. That's all I want. I could never understand why there would be somebody out there going, I'm tired of this guy. Like, he hasn't done anything wrong, and he also hasn't done anything, but that's not his fault. 
the dude's not fragile. He didn't break his ankle on purpose. He hasn't bitched about his scenario. He hasn't bitched about not getting a chance. He hasn't bitched about the fact that the 49ers said Brock Purdy was the leader in the clubhouse. Like Trey Lance has done everything he can to maintain what I think is an absolutely sterling reputation. And we'll see where it goes. And I think that's going to matter other teams too. Seeing how he has handled himself throughout this, it only helps him. It only helps him. But when I see people that are like, I'm over it, like, what? What? He didn't do anything wrong. I've never understood that. Like, what is there to be upset about? I don't know. I don't know. Pro Football Talk reported the Vikings and the 49ers talked about Trey Lance um, at the NFL Combine, which would make sense for them. I believe they're keeping Kirk Cousins one more year and bringing in Trey Lance on a relatively cheap slash opportunity cost would be pretty nice for them. Somebody that could develop behind Cousins for another year. Not that that necessarily serves Trey. You know, it's another developmental year for the guy, but maybe they like what they see and they can part ways with Cousins. I don't know how his contract works. I know he's worth a lot, but that's just an interesting destination for him. Looking through my other notes about Trey Lance, the 49ers might need him. We said it already. We have no idea how Brock Purdy's elbow is going to fully recover. The 49ers have two quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. I'm not sure the 49ers want to just place all their chips in the Sam Darnold, you know, in, in on his table, and then also but simultaneously be placing their chips on Brock Purdy's table, saying, we're going to ride with Sam Darnold until Purdy gets back. We'll be good. Like, can you imagine? That is risky. That is a little bit risky saying we're good with Sam Darnold until Brock Purdy gets back. You're like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? One, you said Sam Darnold. Two, you're assuming Purdy's going to be back sooner than later. That to me is a little rich for my bones, especially like let's say you traded Trey Lance for a second round pick. That second round pick ain't gonna is probably not going to be a quarterback, and it ain't going to help you win games when the moment when things start to collapse in. Oh. Purdy had a regression in his elbow. Sam Darnold still sucks. What do we do now? Would have been nice to have a Trey Lance see if he can help out, but it just seems like a little we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in terms of how quickly we want Lance out the door. I'm not I'm not saying I'm against it. You guys know how I am. I will ride the fence until the end of time. I can see the 49ers going anyway, but I just think it might be a little soon to think about letting go of your former number three overall pick, who, like I said, could still be pretty good. We don't know. What's more valuable? Trey Lance being on the roster or a third-round pick? Trey Lance being on the roster or a second-round pick? I think these are legitimate conversations that I I mean, I I could hear an argument either way, but you're talking about a quarterback a talented quarterback, whether or not he develops into a, into a, into a starter, we'll see. You're talking about a talented quarterback, a classy dude that you might need depending on how things go. I mean, shit, the 49ers needed like four quarterbacks last year and it still wasn't enough. So, you know, I just, I don't know where they would get the courage to say, no, we're good with this. We think that Darnold will be good enough in the meantime, and we think that Purdy's elbow will recover sooner than later, and he's not going to get hurt again. It's just, man, there are a lot of factors to consider, especially after the season the 49ers just had. 
Trey Lance's spot on that roster is worth quite a bit to me. The insurance he provides, the safety he provides, the, you know, and yes, he's still relatively inexperienced of himself, but at least he's a quarterback with just a ton of potential. Tons of it. I mean, we have no idea how high Trey Lance can fly. We just don't. We haven't had time. He hasn't had time. The team doesn't have time because their roster is so damn good. Brock Purdy came in, did the damn thing. I don't blame the 49ers at all for being so heavily in his corner after how well he played. But still, we need to pump the brakes before you put yourselves right back into the position that you're still trying to climb out of. Put the shovel down. Don't dig any deeper. Let's just let and see how things play out. And again, the ultimate trump to all that I just said is a team comes along and they're like, we like Trey Lance better than the quarterbacks we can get in the late first. Take this. And the 49ers would probably be like, okay. And they'd be putting themselves in a real tough spot, but, you know, fortune favors the bold, I guess. Fortune favors the bold. So again, we are one week from the NFL draft. Uh, the next time you hear from me, I am planning on doing a pretty quick podcast on a Friday evening right after the 49ers make their picks. I'll come on here. I'll give you my reaction because I know you, y'all, y'all need it. You need my thoughts. Just kidding. You don't need my thoughts. I appreciate you for listening to them, though. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Name the movie. Anyways. So what I figured I'd end the podcast with is just a brief kind of like mock draft roundup. I don't know these prospects well enough to mock draft them myself. And besides, freaking mock drafts are mostly worthless anyways. It never happens. Like, When's the last time somebody was mocked to the 49ers and they actually took that person? Nick Bosa? Sure, because they had the number two overall pick. But newsflash, the 49ers' first pick is not until 99. Nobody has any idea who's going to be on the board at 99. I don't, you don't, he doesn't, whatever. So what I decided to do is ride on the coattails of my my friends and just see what everybody else was picking for the 49ers. We've talked about positions that we feel the 49ers could use. Offensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback. Uh, you know what? I deleted my old notes. Damn it, I should have kept them. Corner, maybe even a safety, maybe even a wide receiver. I think people are starting to realize that the 49ers aren't as as, as set at receiver as they seem to be, especially with Brandon Ayuk seemingly receiving calls slash needs to get paid. So 49ers are going to do some hard thinking about that. My opinion, do not let Brandon Ayuk get out the door. I think I've said that to you guys. That man is a genuine wide receiver one. I truly believe that. Swap him and Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is getting Brandon Ayuk numbers, and Brandon Ayuk is getting Justin Jefferson numbers. It's a little wild. That's a little hot takey for me, but I do believe that Brandon Ayuk is about a 1,400-yard receiver and maybe 12 touchdowns. What were just, I mean, Justin Jefferson's numbers last year were just unbelievable, but what did he get? Justin Jefferson stats. Jefferson. I like Justin Jefferson coming out. I put that in writing with uh, with Croc, too. 
1,800 yards and 24 touchdowns? Is that a joke? Is that for real? Let me look at this again. In 2022, Justin Jefferson had 1,800 receiving yards. Oh, he had eight touchdowns. Okay, he had 25 career touchdowns. Got it. That man's career, 1,400, 1,600, 1,800 yards. Seven touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, eight touchdowns. Damn, just on fire. 125 targets, 167 targets, 184 targets for Justin Jefferson last season. 184. Divided by 17, that's over 10 targets a game. Damn, they are feeding that man the ball. But let's let's look up Brandon Ayuk. Okay, so 184 targets. Brandon Ayuk stats. I'm really taking myself off on a tangent here, but we're talking Niners. Shut the hell up, Brad. Brandon Ayuk had 114. So 80 less, 70 less targets than Justin Jefferson, but still over a thousand yards. But I mean, again, if you give Ayuk Jefferson-level targets in an offense that just relies on him, how the Vikings rely on Jefferson, I truly believe Ayuk would be up there. Maybe not quite 1,800 yards. That is incredible. But, I mean, 14, 1,500 yards. He had eight touchdowns with the Niners, 12 touchdowns for in an offense like that. I, I truly believe that. Brandon Ayuk is immensely talented, and uh, I just don't think the 49ers offense can afford to lose the vertical element he provides. And I don't necessarily mean like a deep threat. I just mean the dude can consistently make 15 to 30 yard catches and 15 to 30 yard gains. Um, and he gets open quick and he's a hell of a route runner. So I just don't think I've said it. I mean, I'm not saying you have to choose between the two, but I would in the 49ers offense's current state with Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, I'd rather have Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. That could be considered heresy, and I'm not trying to be crazy here, but it is what it is. I mean, come on. So, come on, guys. Little Jack Black. What's that from? I can't remember. So, anyways, that's why I, the point of me saying that was 40. It wouldn't be surprised me if the 49ers targeted a couple wide receivers in this draft. But let's go see here. Mel Kuyper, the 49ers. So, again, in the third round, the 49ers have 99, 101, and 102. You've got the Raiders in between 99 and 101. 49ers, Kuyper's got them going. Joy Fisher, offensive tackle and guard. I believe he said that he has Fisher, yep, likely to play guard in the NFL. I don't know how that works for the 49ers. The 49ers are in no way set at guard. They just need to make sure they've got good players on that offensive line. But the guards weren't necessarily where they needed help. You know, they lost Mike McGlinchey, and I I get it. You want to draft big best player available, but they've got, you know, their guards were decent. Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks were decent. We, they were surprisingly good. We were, that was what everybody was concerned about between Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel and Spencer Burford, how badly that interior of that offensive line was going to get beat. Well, they did pretty good. So, you know, drafting a, a tackle that they expect to slate in the guard, I don't know. He's not ready to compete in 2023, but he has a ton of upside, says Skyper. So, I mean, it's, I'm not going to tell you it's not a good pick. I'm not here to judge other people's selections, but the 49ers would hopefully get a guy that could compete for that tackle spot and not be somebody that they feel like they've got to plug in at guard. 
At 101, Kuiper went Yaya Diaby. Diaby? Diaby? <clears throat> D-I-A-B-Y. You tell me how to say that. Yaya Diaby. Put it in the Google pronunciation. Defensive end out of Louisville. Had nine and a half sacks last season. Six foot three, 263 pounds. You know, finding a speedster opposite Nick Bosa would not hurt at all. It wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers go D-end in this bunch. It's just such a premium position, right? You know, like you have to take continual swings at positions like this in order to find somebody that's capable of playing opposite Nick Bosa. You know, it's just, it's tough, man. And it's, uh, Yaya's is PFF's 154th ranked player. So if you're going by their board, it's a little early. It's pushing it, but you know, none of that shit matters. Once you get late in the draft, the, the, the important part is find players that are going to be able to, uh, going to be able to contribute, but no surprise that somebody going defensive in, you've got to get, they lost Samson Ebukam. They lost Charles Omenehu. Um, they did resign Kerry Hyder. I'm not sure he's necessarily in a position to provide more than kind of rotational support at this point. So, uh, going defensive in there doesn't necessarily surprise me. McShay came in with their last pick, which is um, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, cornerback out of TCU. And that's, I mean, that's no surprise right there. The 49ers really need to kind of solidify opposite of Charvarius Ward. You know, they need to uh, promote a little bit of competition there. They need to ensure that whoever's over there is going to be able to hold it down. Uh, Pro Football Focus has uh, Hodges Tomlinson ranked as their 59th player. So maybe that's somebody that's not going to be on the board when the 49ers get there. That's what I'm talking about. We're talking about the 102nd pick. Like the fact that, you know, any of these guys are on the board just seems. It's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot at best. Stone Cold Steve Austin Um, had 28 pass breakups the last three seasons. Picked off five interceptions. He's 5'8", 170 pounds, smaller, quicker. Might be somebody that could step in and compete at nickel at well as well. We'll see. Diamondor Lenore has been pretty solid. Was pretty solid over there to quote close out the season for the 49ers. Um, you know, you've got Sam Womack, you've got Ambry Thomas, Isaiah Oliver is somebody else that they're probably gonna want to step in and compete at that nickel spot. So, but again, adding a corner makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. We expect the 49ers to go that route. Um, Dane Brugler of the athletic released a seven round mock draft in with pick 99 in round three. He went defensive end Brian young, which I believe according to the, I was just using pro football Focus's big board. It's just easy to maneuver. It's nice. Has pictures, um, has a lot of, uh, just a lot of shuffle ability. So check out pro football Focus's big board. I don't know if it's something you have a, uh, have to have a login for, um, but they have Brian Young as their 114th ranked player, which matches up relatively with pick number 99. It's never going to line up perfectly like that. 6'2", 250 pounds, ran a 4-4-3 in the combine. Somebody that can really bend that edge and um, somebody that could probably work side to side with Nick Bosa and learn the techniques. Somebody with that kind of raw athleticism. If you can 6'2", 250 pounds, but still running a 4-4, Getting that guy in the room with Nick Bosa to learn the the more technique-driven aspects of the position. I mean, that's when you start to tap into that, that potential. Um, with pick 101, he had cornerback Corey Tice out of Purdue. Let's go see what the old 
pro football focus big board had to say about that. Just kind of making sure the value lines up with who the the players are picking. You know what I mean? It's just, it helps me kind of visualize when the 49ers make the pick, kind of just where they were. I don't even see this dude's name on the, uh, on the big board. So that's, oh, no, there he is. Their 95th ranked player. So also another pick that lines up in terms of, of value. Now, what I like here, 6'3", 205 pounds, 447 speed. That's crazy. That's crazy. Tice is built like a linebacker who got kicked out to play cornerback. Having a guy opposite Ward that can play physical, that can jam players at the line. I don't know if that's his style, but that's nice. He had only allowed one catch on 88 press snaps this season. I'm going to keep that name, uh, Corey Trice, parked up in my brain because that seems like somebody the 49ers would really be interested in. Seems like somebody that kind of a natural fit into that defense. Uh, We'll see. Interesting. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's the first time I'm hearing that name. Uh, With 102, he went defensive back Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State. I have heard that name mentioned quite a few times. I think a lot of people have him as a safety which wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because the 49ers are in a position to need a safety. Yeah, Pro Football Focus has him as their 139th ranked player. 6'3", 215 pounds. Another big dude. Young dude, 23. Mapu played safety at Sacramento State, but his physical play style and easy movement skill set at 6'3", and 216 pounds have been teams evaluating him as a linebacker. Interesting. You're in an 86 run defense grade in 2022. Um Somebody that can move around around a little bit. You know, the 49ers have Tashawn Gibson at, at more of the free safety type role, but he's, you know, he's on a one-year deal. Um, doesn't seem like somebody who's going to spend that much more time in the league. They've also got Talano Hufanga, but he plays more of that, that strong safety role a little closer to the line of scrimmage. So somebody like Mapu, who teams are already kind of evaluating as a linebacker, might kind of conflict with that Hufanga type role unless the 49ers feel like Hufanga can drop back, but that's certainly not where I would expect him to play and kind of excel. So interesting pick though. I just wonder how they'd plug him in to that, uh, to that defense when the round five, he went into round five on here. Let's, we can get into some round five a little bit. Uh, pick 155 time tight end Cameron Latu out of Alabama. Uh, the 49ers, I've been doing a ton of work on tight ends. I think that they're probably going to go with one during the third round. Um, uh, Latu's a little bit later in the draft. Um, he's one of those. He's a higher ranked player. But again, we're talking about in the fifth round. But let's let's head over to let's use that as as a little bit of a segue to head over to tight ends. Um, the ones that are likely going to be available when the 49ers are picking, you've got Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State, 6'5", 254, 469 speed. You've got Luke uh, Schoonmaker out of Michigan, uh, 6'5", 253, 46 speed. Both of those guys are very athletic tight ends. Obviously, one's coming from the FCS. Um, I'm just not sure what the 49ers are looking for when it comes to tight ends. Are they ready to commit to a... A, a genuine like move tight end that they want to make plays in the passing game, or are they starting with the blocking and going from there? If that's the case, Schoenmacher is probably a little more preferred, um, but Tucker Craft is a little bit more of a a receiver in space. You know, he's he's got very good movement skills. And you've got guys like Davis Allen at rank one forty, Zach Kuntz uh, at one fifty out of Old Dominion. Um, Davis Allen was Clemson. 
Um, a name that I saw Matt Barrows uh, talking about was Brenton Strange out of Penn State. Uh, he's pro football focused 278th ranked player. So he would uh, assuming be later in the draft, but he's 6'4, 253. I watched a little bit of him. He, he kind of had a cool little, um, like a chip to the way he played. Was it always easy to bring down, make some pretty difficult catches, tried to hurdle some players, uh, seemed like a bigger dude. I'm not entirely sure with how he is as a blocker. I'm kind of clicking on pro football focuses run blocking grade of 60.5. So not great, not great, but he, he was a pretty entertaining player to watch. Let's, let's rank, um, you know, eight, well, I guess I was going to, I was assuming Michigan's Luke uh, Shoemaker to, to be far superior, but he had a 55.7 run blocking grade. So maybe, you know, maybe it's, he's not the run block. I know he did spend plenty of time in line, but maybe he's not the run blocker. We, uh, or I thought he was, um, Davis Allen right below him on the rankings at 140, 6'6, 245 pounds, four, eight speed. I do think the 49ers are going to put some, uh, I, I think it's, it's almost locked that one of those third round picks is a tight end, but Again, I don't know, man. I don't know. Our own Matt Mayoko also has the 49ers going Byron Young, um, an edge rusher, uh, with their num- number 99 pick. And then he went Wanya Morris, an offensive tackle out of old, old Oklahoma, 6'5", 307, 307 pounds. I think this is another guy that people kind of um, presume will slide inside. The 49ers don't need a slide inside guy. Maybe they do. Maybe things don't work out with Burford or Banks, but still, like, they need to think about trying to replace McGlinchey, but maybe this isn't the draft to do that. Maybe they just try and patch things together through this draft, and once they get back into the first-round conversation, then get your right tackle. You know, but then, at that point, you might be needing a left tackle because who knows how much longer Trent Williams is going to play. It's a delicate balance, man. Round three, 102. Uh, Mayoko did have uh, the 49ers going. Luke Shoemaker, tight end out of Michigan, 6'5", 251 pounds. So um, obviously in agreement with me and the fact that he thinks he's gonna go, they're going to go tight end with one of those three picks. Um, it does seem like it's going that way. It's a good tight end draft class. Um, but if you go through and you look at the mocks, it's, it's a lot of the same. Edge, corner, offensive line, tight end. A lot of that. A lot of that out there. And that could be the 49ers' first three picks. Um, offensive lineman, edge rusher, tight end. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But unfortunately, you're going to have to watch an entire first round of the NFL draft before the 49ers get a chance to pick their first picks. Again, not till 99 in the third round. But they've got three in the third. They've got a bunch in the fifth. Could they trade up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's just hope it's not for a running back. Sorry. I had to say it. 49ers are meeting with running backs that are expected to go in like the second, third round. So uh, do with the, do with that information what you will. I think that's a good time to uh, exit. Um, again, I plan plan on jumping on here next Friday right after the 49ers make their three picks. We'll break it down and it'll be it on your doorstep Saturday morning. I know Saturday morning isn't the ideal time for pods, but I want to get you your damn information. I want to get you your damn analysis and my thoughts, okay? Anyway, sorry. I'm just being an idiot now. Having a good time, man. It's Thursday. It's Friday, Junior. So dumb. Sorry I said that. All right, guys. I love you. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for supporting this podcast for so damn long, especially for essentially a year of me, just me talking on it. Um, 
I appreciate it, man. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I appreciate it. If you, uh, if you feel us worthy, jump on iTunes, jump on Spotify, leave us a review, um, a, preferably a five-star review, but I want it to, I want you to mean it. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to striking gold. I'm hoping you're all having good days. I'm hoping this podcast finds you well. And again, maybe something comes up next week where I jump on here before the draft. Maybe there will be something we want to, you know, I could obviously I can jump on Monday, Tuesday and just kind of break something down right beforehand if I feel it necessary. But at the absolute latest Friday evening, right after the 49ers make their three picks, that's when you should hear from me next. All right, everybody. All good things come to an end. I love you. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We are signing out. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com